When I was a teenager and people asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would tell them that I wanted to be an artist. Not the kind of artist that draws for fun or paints sunsets on wine night with the girls. I wanted to be a real artist in a gritty yet well-maintained loft in New York City. The sort of artist who has gallery representation in a closet full of stern black turtlenecks. It probably goes without saying that at 18, I went to art school. There, I studied photography. Serious photography. You don't take pictures, you make pictures, we would say. Photography doesn't even require a camera. One just needs the presence of light. But when I graduated, work for real artists was hard to come by. There were no job listings for artists on Indeed.com, so I adopted temporary identities. Dog walker, freelancer, front desk girl at yoga studio. Year after year, I'd seen others finish school, start working jobs like those, and stop making art. I had vowed to never become one of them. But then, I did. This is So Help Me. It me, your host, Anna Ladd. This week, cleaning up your apartment and realizing your dreams are dead. Two years after graduating from art school, I got a grown-up job in a grown-up office with a grown-up title, Digital Marketing Associate, at an arts nonprofit. So, you know, art adjacent. During this time, I had started using my weekends to do the art-adjacent activity known as making a podcast. And when Gimlet offered to help me make a few more episodes of that show, I had a problem. Gimlet is in Brooklyn. I was living in Philadelphia. So I quit my job and planned to move to Queens. You know, Brooklyn-adjacent. When I started getting ready for the move, I found I had another problem— Three large plastic bins. They held almost all the art I made in art school. What kind of art, you ask? Here is a sample. Nude photos with candle wax dripped on them. Photos of pictures of bedrooms printed on toilet paper, dissolving in a metal bowl. There was also the fake newspaper I made that I filled with articles about industries that millennials were ruining. The projects all feel a little ridiculous now, but they mattered to me. The bins were a reminder that I did make art before I let life get in the way. That I was still an artist and not just a marketing associate. But all that art couldn't make the move with me. I was moving from a large apartment in Philly to a small room in Queens. There just wouldn't be room. Knowing it would be difficult, and with great maturity, I gathered myself and prepared to throw out my art. Kidding! I turned on Netflix and tried to forget about it. Back then, I was binging a show called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. It stars Marie, who loves mess. I'm so excited because I love mess. (laughs) See? Marie Kondo is a Japanese tidying expert and author of the best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. 
At four foot seven, she's like a lovable tidying sprite with a remarkably symmetrical face and luminous skin. I, at six feet tall, have only just stopped using hand soap to wash my face. On the show, Marie teaches families her tidying method, called Kunmari, which works like this. You put everything you own in a pile. Then you go through the piles by category, starting with clothes, ending with sentimental items. To determine what stays and what goes, you hold up every object to your chest and ask yourself if it sparks joy. If it doesn't spark joy, you thank it and let it go. Marie won't tell you directly that you need to get rid of all your cut-off muscle tanks, but she will gently guide you to discover, for yourself, that your cut-off muscle tanks no longer spark joy. She will then teach you the proper way to fold the cut-offs that remain. Folding is not just making your clothes smaller. It is actually an important opportunity to talk to your clothes and thank them. I assumed the show would anger me, as most unobtainable lifestyle porn does, but it had the opposite effect. I loved this wholesome, escapist world where everything is tidy and everyone is happy, especially Marie, who would perhaps even love my mess if she came to help me pack. But that offer wasn't on the table, so I decided to do it myself. I was counting on Marie to help me throw out the muscle tanks. And if I'm honest, I was hoping she could help me get rid of the art bins. Or maybe give me a justification for keeping them. So, one afternoon this summer, I cranked up my window unit and started to pack, condo style. Marie suggests that you start with something you definitely love so you can understand what a spark of joy feels like. To communicate this idea, Marie suggests thinking about how it feels to hold a puppy. I don't have a puppy, so I started with a poster my ex-boyfriend stole from the Starbucks where he used to work. Starbucks non-dairy milk poster. Sparks joy. My friends and I used to steal posters and signs and put them in our apartments because I don't know why. We thought it was really funny. At any rate, I continued joy checking. This is my inhaler. This most certainly sparks joy, for I have asthma, and I love not dying. Autobiography of the Property Brothers. Yes, reality TV's The Property Brothers sparks joy for me. Also joy sparking, my casting call trophy, and my Jason Kelsey Philadelphia Eagles jersey. Then I moved on to getting rid of non-joyful objects. This was its own dark sort of fun. In a frenzied state, I annihilated my wardrobe, then my kitchen stuff, then my bath stuff, then my otherwise useless stuff stuff. In this process, I became deliriously happy. I envisioned a new life for myself as a linen-wearing, easy, breezy, beautiful minimalist in a white-walled apartment with floating shelves. I could throw away anything, and no one could stop me. But I lost that momentum when I got to those three large plastic bins filled with my art. Looking at them, I thought about the old art school superstition that you shouldn't get rid of your old work. Because if you make it big one day, it'll be worth a lot of money. This thought stalled my progress for a minute. But then I remembered I was moving into a one-room apartment. So I opened a bin. 
Doing so activated this series of guttural noises. There were experimental photographs printed onto sandpaper and 300 tiny portraits I'd put on 300 tiny band-aids and those sheets of paper that I made out of my own human hair. I cannot say that these things brought me joy, which means that, according to the Kanbari method, I should throw them away. But I really didn't want to. I was surprised by how strong that feeling was. But right away, I knew where it came from. The art in the bins, that was the last art I'd made. I hadn't produced anything new in years. Without it, I'd have an apartment with no art I'd made myself. I wouldn't be able to kid myself into thinking I was still a real artist. So I closed the bins and gave up. After the break, an inspiration, a guru, and a broken trash bag. A month before my move, I was still avoiding the art bins. To kill time, I went on Facebook. I know, so 2014. Where the Facebook algorithm, knowing that I'd been reading a lot about Marie Kondo, suggested an essay titled, How Marie Kondo Helped Me Sort Out My Gender. I'm really reluctant to give Zuck this much credit, but I gotta say, that essay changed how I saw Kanmari. It was the first time I had seen someone talk about how Marie Kondo had helped them with something besides folding socks. The writer of the post, Sandy Allen, is non-binary and uses they-them pronouns. They talk about how the experience of sorting through their stuff helped them start to come out as trans. Sandy used to live in Brooklyn and work at BuzzFeed. Back then, their mornings were complicated. I was someone who would end up inevitably taking off a few versions of whatever I was trying to put on and I would end up making myself late and just felt a lot of shame that I didn't have an easier time, you know, putting on makeup and putting on an outfit and and, and getting to work. I did sort of uh, over time kind of land on a uniform that I would wear often and it was like a long black maxi dress and these black lace-up sandals and uh, I, I would try to get my nails done, but I would always end up getting, like, gray or black. Uh, and the, the, I would get grief, you know, from whoever was doing my nails that I didn't pick more interesting colors. It's like when you go get a haircut and they ask, are you sure? Oh, I mean, I don't know if you know this about spaces like nail salons, but they can be super judgy, especially if you're sort of, like, not great at being feminine. <laughs> a few years ago, when Sandy started working from home... They didn't have to agonize over what to wear every morning. Around this time, Sandy also bought the life-changing magic of tidying up. They had originally purchased it for their then-boyfriend, who was not particularly tidy. But when he didn't take to Kanmari, Sandy tried to set a good example and do it instead. Starting, as Marie suggests, by making a huge pile of clothes. Um, And so as I started to go through that pile, it was very clear. I had a discard pile that was lace, that was flowers, that was sparkles, it was dresses. It was like everything I'd ever bought trying to be something that I actually wasn't. And as I started to sort of make this, this, you know, mountain of feminine things that I was admitting did not spark joy for me, I think that's when I was finally kind of really going, okay, 
<laughs> here I am looking at my own truth. You know, I've tried to run away for my whole life, and I'm in my late 20s now, and I'm looking right at it. The it that Sandy was looking at was this giant pile of feminine clothing, things they'd bought to fit in at their old job, and really, everywhere else. This was supposed to be an attempt to model tidiness for their boyfriend, not something that made them start questioning their gender. At first, Sandy wasn't ready for it. There is a fear of admitting to yourself that you are trans. The feeling of, oh, I wish I could just somehow undo this. You know, I wish I could just hang those dresses back up and feel joy about them. Or should I go back through this pile and make sure I don't feel joy about some of these things? I think there was a lot of shame. Over the next few months, makeup and heels and jewelry were thanked and discarded. And Sandy started slowly opening up about their gender, starting with their boyfriend. One afternoon, the two of them went shopping for new clothes together. They went on a date later that day. Here's how Sandy describes that moment in their essay. That evening, we went on a date. I wore a new button-down, trousers, Oxfords. We moved down the street, his hand in mine, which was shaking, so terrified by the question of what we must look like to others. Nobody much noticed, or if they did and cared, they didn't show it. This, I've since learned, is often the way of things. Before that night, I realized I had never been both dressed up and comfortable. You look hot, Rob said. And unlike how I'd always reacted to such sentiments, I didn't want to swat away his compliment like a gnat. Look, I get that the stakes are a little lower for me here with the art bins. I don't have to choose whether I go into the artist or not artist bathroom. But Sandy's story made me feel like I could use Kinmari to tackle my boxes of art. That I might end up with a better understanding of myself. But then, I was afraid of that. If Kinmari confirmed that I wasn't an artist anymore, then what was I? So I called someone who I thought could help me let go of the art. I am a certified KonMari consultant. I also am a KonMari consultant educator, which means that I work directly with Marie Kondo and her team. This is Patty Morrissey. I called her because she's helped a lot of people push past the fear of what's on the other side of KonMari. Marie Kondo doesn't take clients except for the people on the Netflix show. So there are people like Patty, who are certified platinum Kinmari instructors with 900 clocked tidying hours. She's one of only 20 platinum instructors in the world. Men's Fitness Magazine refers to her as a, quote, Jedi-level practitioner of the Kinmari method. I laid it all out for Patty. How I was doing Kinmari at a time everything was changing in my life. How it was a lot harder than I expected it would be. And then, God has bless her, She said something that perfectly explained why it's so hard for people to throw out objects that don't bring joy anymore. There's some underlying belief of I'm not good enough the way I am, and I don't know if I am resilient enough to not have it in my life. So the fear of the future is a big one, or trying to fix something. The process of joy checking is a process of learning to look inward and understand what you desire. I don't know how resilient I am. If I threw out the art, I might be miserable and boring. And I definitely wouldn't be the person I wanted to be when I was a teenager. But Patty told me to trust the Kanmari process, even though it was hard. 
It could even be exciting to see what happens when the stuff is gone. Every time you transition in life is an opportunity to make sure that the things that are around you are the things that are supporting you. Is this the most efficient thing? No, it's not. But it's reps. And by the time you're done, you've put in that many reps around trusting your intuition, expressing gratitude, and learning to let go. A week after Patty and I spoke, I opened up the art bins. I began throwing things away. Trash. That paper I'd made out of my hair. The 300 tiny portraits on 300 tiny band-aids. Crafting tools and darkroom materials. The sketchbook from high school that I carried with me every day for two years. Comically large business cards I'd made to get people to look at my art on analadphoto.com. I walked down the steps and put the trash bags out on the street in the rain. The next morning, I heard the trash truck coming. As it drove away, I noticed something. One of the trash bags had torn open, and there were pieces of my rain-soaked art all over the intersection of 12th and Ellsworth. There were pages from my teenage sketchbook, damp and lifeless, spread out across the street. A month ago, that sight would have panicked me. I would have scrambled around, trying to pick it all up. But that morning, I just wanted to get to work. I picked up what I could, threw it in a new trash bag, and ran for the train. So Help Me is produced by Chris Neary and edited by Devin Taylor and Nazanin Rafsanjani. This episode is mixed by Sam Baer. The theme song is by Coping Skills, with other music from Blue Dot Sessions and Marmoset. Sandy's essay appeared in Them, where they're also writing a column called Between the Binary. You can learn more about Patty's business at pattymorrissey.com. Two R's, two S's. Special thanks to Jennifer Barnum. Next week, spending an hour floating in a thousand pounds of salt. (laughs) 